From KLIN Radio and the Lincoln Independent Business Association, this is the Lincoln Business Beat, a weekly summary of news affecting area business and a review of interesting topics and issues. Along with LEBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vail. Glad to have you joining us. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. You can learn more at GoCurrency.com. Well, Bud, uh, kind of a starting off uh, this edition of uh, Lincoln Business Beat with kind of a, a sad note because we lost a tremendous member of our community recently, very suddenly. Yeah, um, that was, I'll tell you what, Tom Lorenz, who's been uh, with us at Pinnacle Bank Arena since it opened, has just been a great stalwart in our community, and Tom uh, has done so many great things with the arena. Um, our arena has really become a great economic driver, and I think it's all because of Tom and the team he put together. Um, you know, and then, you know, he was even kind of the visionary behind getting Pinewood Bowl up and running again. So Tom has left a, a heck of a great legacy in Lincoln. Uh, we're going to miss him. Last year we had our annual LEBA free enterprise celebration at Pinnacle Bank Arena for the first time, and Tom and his team were just amazing to work with. And he just had a great passion for our community and doing things. So, you know, our condolences and prayers go out to Tom's family. It was a, a sudden loss, but uh, he was a giant in our community. He's definitely going to be missed. And uh, the one thing I will say is that he's he put together a phenomenal team. And if uh, as a team, if uh, anyone can keep things going in the right direction, I think that team is the one that uh, can probably get it done. Yeah, he's got a great group around him. He's got great people he works with, and they 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 keep it going. I will just say, there's that's a tough that's going to be a tough pair of shoes to fill uh, as we look for someone to continue the great things that are going on at Pinnacle Bank Arena and Pinewood Bowl. When last we met, we were talking about the anticipation uh, the University of Nebraska Board of Regents would be approving alcohol sales at events at Pinnacle Bank Arena for university sports, uh, and as you called it. <laughs> what uh, what we didn't realize uh, is that it was going to be a unanimous vote to approve sales of alcohol at PBA for men and uh, women's basketball. Yeah, I think um, I was I was surprised by the unanimous vote. I just wondered if there might be some pushback from a few of the regions, um, but but it was nice to see. Um, and I think you know it was like earlier this year, maybe late last year, when they approved the ability to do it, and then kind of. Well, they had the Big Ten wrestling the tournament. Yeah, they did it, it for the Big Ten. That's right. That, that's when it was uh, first tried. Well, and I think, you know, the nice thing about going to Pinnacle Bank Arena is, we talked about this last week, there's the infrastructure there, right? They already serve it for concerts and other events that they have out there. So uh, it made a lot of sense to, to move forward. I was intrigued by... Uh, a few of the things um, yeah, that, you can that we dive into that. the finances and the budget. For Here we go, Mark. Yep. Numbers are numbers, brother. You know that. Uh, so the 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 thing is, it'll be beer, wine, and liquor. So just like if you go to a concert or another event at Pinnacle Bank Arena, uh, they're going to pilot it not this season but next season. So the twenty three twenty four uh, men's and women's basketball season, and uh, you know the city is the one that kind of holds that liquor license and carries the liability insurance. The intriguing part to me was the city gets 90% of the profit and the university gets 10%, which seems like a little skewed to me. And at the same time, I look at the fact that, you know, the city's got the liquor license and they hold the insurance policy and things like that. So 
I'll be intrigued to watch what happens. Number one, you know, what does fan behavior look like? Number two, what will the amount of revenue that this generates for uh, Pinnacle Bank Arena for the university? And then I think it'll start to lay some groundwork for the future, maybe at Memorial Stadium, potentially other facilities. And I think I heard recently that it'll take two to three years to get it up and running at the football stadium. So I don't think we'll see beer in the next two years, at least, over at Memorial Stadium. So probably we're looking three or four years out on Memorial Stadium. Well, I wonder if uh, if possibly what the Regents also did in approving the, the design phase of uh, Memorial Stadium upgrades won't take that into consideration, and that, and that could be pushed out even longer than two or three years. Yeah, I would certainly imagine, I would certainly hope that they <laughs> included that in their plans. Um, however, I'm not the engineer or the architect, so uh, I think that's a good good way for them to look at it and see what does that infrastructure look like. You know, when you go to Pinnacle Bank Arena, you're not buying cans or bottles of beer; you're buying cups of beer, and those types of things all comes in cups. I know at the Garth Brooks concert. Darn near before the concert started, they ran out of beer. <laughs> so uh, it was very popular for the Gar- amongst the Garth Brooks crowd. So I think there's just a lot of planning that goes into it. I think that's the thing that people probably don't understand when they when we, when the university announced this is you know how they probably figured you just turn on the lights and all of a sudden we've got beer and liquor and wine, but it takes some time to get the infrastructure put in place. Right, and and the next logical one, at least it would seem from. Uh an outside perspective, next logical uh, test or pilot project would be Haymarket Park because they're, too, uh, baseball, you know, but Haymarket Park's got the infrastructure. They've already got all of uh, this, the stuff that uh, they're, they're serving at uh, the Salt Dogs game, so maybe that will be the next uh, next venue. Well, it's fascinating you bring that up, Mark, and I, we didn't even practice this, but actually in the last week I've heard that that might be a little more difficult than we think. Um, because of the partnership and how it's set up over there and how the revenue might be split if that happens. So that'll be one to watch because I, for for us, it seems like it would be logical and, and easy to do, yet I'm hearing that it might, might, might not be quite as easy to drag that across the finish line as we may think. Yeah, I was just talking about the, uh, the infrastructure yeah. being able to, but... When it comes to negotiations among uh, different <laughs> entities, it can get real murky real quick. Um, well, it'll be interesting to, to watch and see how this goes. We also received, not uh, within the past week, uh, an assessment that was done by an outside organization uh, of how the Lincoln Police Department workforce uh, is dealing with some issues. Um, they did, did a deep dive, if you will, in uh, surveys of uh, rank-and-file sworn officers and some interesting and maybe a little concerning some of the uh, things that were unveiled in this survey. Yeah, it was quite a report that uh, LPD put out last week about, um, and really they were doing an overall workplace assessment. And I think one of the things that we've heard in the news a lot lately is uh, around the topic of harassment and things that have been going on specifically with uh, female officers. And it showed that almost half of all uniformed female respondents experienced sexual harassment or discrimination in the department. And I think that's something that obviously the department's going to have to 
address. And then um, one of the quotes out of there, though the focus of the survey was not on sexual harassment, responses show a clear polarization around the issue within the department. And so I think there's, you know, we talk about culture. We've talked about culture in the workforce on this podcast several times. And so I think that there's got to be a, a focus on culture and what's going to happen within the department. So um, Chief Ewens has got a, a big climb ahead of her, frankly. Well, and this it all did not solely focus on harassment. There was also uh, an area on uh, promotions and, and that workforce um, culture, if you will, some concerns about promotion uh, capabilities for female officers. Well, and actually officers in general, I think, too, on the promotion side, you know, um, 43% of the sworn staff said the department's promotion process favors women and only 9% of the female respondents. So I think there's a little bit of a culture thing there. And we've heard that for a long time, Mark, when we lose officers, we lose them uh, a a lot of times there's they're looking for that opportunity for a promotion or to be able to move up in the ranks, right, which is natural. Uh, we want people to progress in their careers, and that's been an issue, and that's where LPDs lost some officers over the years, among other things. And so I think that, that it's going to be important moving forward to see what, what are the steps that are going to be taken to address that. And I know there was a uh, on the city council earlier this week they talked about uh, reinstituting, I think it was the lieutenant rank, That's correct. Um, as a way to try to try to help with that. We'll have to see how that plays out over the next year or two. It's a step in the right direction. I know we talked earlier that uh, in the podcast, uh, probably a month ago or so, about the pay. The pay scale was another issue that we had heard. So we'll see if any of these adjustments um, help us with our retention, and then of course recruiting. You know, we need. We need about 40 or 50 sworn officers still, and, um, you know, we've seen a lot of things in our community. It seems like a lot more vehicle crashes here over the last, I'll say, six months or so, and, and deadly vehicle crashes. You know, we've had two deadly vehicle crashes in the last week. Um, there was one here over the weekend uh, over at 56 and Randolph. Uh, there was a motorcyclist killed this week on O Street, and we've seen more of those crashes. And one has to pose a, I guess we'll call it a rhetorical question, if we get to our full staffing, does that mean we're going to have better traffic enforcement, which maybe becomes a deterrent for some of these um, vehicles that are driving at very high rates of speed? It it seems like there's a lot of places in Lincoln you can go and you see vehicles driving at high rates of speed. I see it around my daughter's school. I saw a motorcycle the other day going down Sheridan Boulevard, and I bet they were going 50 or 60 miles an hour. Uh, luckily, the kids were in school. It wasn't after school. Those kind of things can be dangerous. And if we get to that staffing point, I have to wonder, does that mean we have better traffic enforcement so we can be, you know, maybe a deterrent, you know, at least a more presence you know, I think people generally, if they see the, the lights of a police car or the big white police cars, the brakes come on or the foot goes off the gas. But hopefully we can get to that to make some more things a little bit safer in our community. Our deep dive this week uh, is a topic that we've addressed uh, a couple of times, actually, and that's uh, one of the ballot initiatives. And we're going to go deep on the minimum wage initiative. Yeah. 
Yeah, it'll be nice to talk a little bit about the the minimum wage. I've got my friend Ansley Fellers here. Uh, Ansley and I have had a lot of great conversations about the minimum wage and how it impacts especially small local businesses. And uh, I thought it'd be great to bring in subject subject matter expert, and it's always good to have uh, guests in the studio with us. So I look forward to going over that with Ansley. We'll do that in just a moment. Do you need help finding reliable financing options for heavy machinery, trucks, or other equipment for your business? Currency is here to help. You see, Currency specializes in finding the most competitive financing options for construction equipment, farm machinery, trucks, trailers, and other big-ticket items. And whether you're replacing old machines or expanding your fleet, Currency makes it easy to get financing. It's secure, free to use. It gives you a single point of contact for the entire process. Visit GoCurrency.com and fill out an application. Currency will automatically find a lender offering the best rates and terms. Currency is equipment financing made simple. Visit GoCurrency.com and apply today. Offers may vary and arranged by Express Tech Financing, LLC. Doing business is currency pursuant to CFL License 60DBO-54873. Back in Lincoln Business Beat, back on August 20th, 21, an initiative was filed by Raise the Wage Nebraska. And in just over a month, that initiative is going to be on the general uh, election ballot November 8th. And as a matter of fact, early voting already underway, or at least the ballots have gone out. Early voting begins uh, next week. Um, This is the minimum wage initiative and a lot to talk about in our deep dive today. Oh, man. You know, Mark, we've talked about this uh, on our podcast. And like I mentioned previously, uh, the LIBA Board of Directors uh, voted that we should oppose this as an organization. And we're encouraging our members to oppose this as an organization. And so I wanted to bring in because there's a lot of different folks we've talked to about this over time. And uh, I wanted to bring in Ansley Fellers from the Nebraska Grocery Industry Association. Um, Ansley and I have had a lot of great conversations about that and just kind of get some different perspectives on this and how it impacts business. So, Ansley, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate having you on. Welcome to the Lincoln Business Beat. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Uh, well, um, you know, you and I have had a lot of really good conversations on the minimum wage and you know, just for our listeners quick, I'll just outline it. If this passes in January of 2023, the wage goes from $9 an hour in Nebraska to 1050, and in 2024 it goes from 1050 to 12, 2025 it goes from 12 to 13 and a half, and in 2026 it goes to from 13 and a half to 15, and then thereafter it will be increased uh, based on a cost of living increase um, for for business owners. And so when I look at this, I just think over the first four years of implementation, the minimum wage is going to go up 66.7% and then God knows how much after. So talk a little bit about how this you see this from the Grocery Industry Association how does this affect our small local business, small and medium local businesses? 
Yeah, I'm really happy you brought that up, Bud, because the reality of these movements is that the folks, I think folks who sign these initiatives, their hearts are in the right place. But when what they have in mind are kind of large, I would say national, multinational businesses who get, you know, a little bit of heat for paying low wages and having a lot of bureaucracy. But the reality is when they're implemented, they hurt small local businesses, the folks that know you, the folks that know your family, that give you flexibility and provide you time off when you need it. And those are the people I think it's really interesting to watch. You know, you'll notice that those large businesses don't get involved in these movements. They don't oppose these. And the reality is they can kind of withstand the increases. They just wait it out and wait for their small and medium sized competition to go out of business. And then they can really do whatever they want. And that's what's really sad and I think scary to a lot of the independents I represent, as well as even the medium-sized sort of, I would say, regional grocers and wholesalers, many of whom are located here in Nebraska, even headquartered here in Nebraska. Um, it's just, it's really difficult um, for them to imagine paying not just, and, and they are, they're all paying very competitive wages. I don't even like the term living wage because it's well above a living wage, especially in a state like Nebraska. But, you know, I think we all understand, I think most Nebraskans are logical and rational enough to understand <laughs> what it means to own a business and what it means um, to pay people, you know, what they're worth. And um, we just, it's its not fair to, you know, do something, a one size fits all um, initiative that, again, isn't going to necessarily target the people that they're intending to hit. Yeah, the fascinating part for me during this process has been, first of all, I don't know, many people that are paying people nine bucks an hour right now. I mean, we've really seen, I'll call it wage inflation over the last two or three years. And some of those large retailers you're talking about, they're already paying 18, 17, 18, 19 bucks an hour. So, um, but we look at these small businesses and you touched on some really great points that I like to stress. You know, they're the people that know you. They're the people that are supporting your kids' schools. There's the people supporting your, your favorite charities with contributions. They're the names that you see at the sports complexes. Um, you know, those are the people that are investing in our community. You know, those small, local, small, medium, local businesses. So there's a bigger effect here. And so what are some of the things that you're sharing with your members as you educate them? I'll call them kind of the bullet points uh, to, to, to help them understand the impact that this wage is going to have on our small local businesses from Falls City to Shadron, from Binkelman to Sioux City and Lincoln and all around. What, what are some of those points you're using to educate your members? I think it's really, I'm so happy you brought up some of the smaller communities because the other thing about this initiative is it treats Omaha and Lincoln the exact way it treats Osceola and Hershey and Baird and Scott's Bluff and Valentine, right? All of the cities you mentioned, all of the communities where um, wages and the cost of living are vary dramatically across the state. And I will tell you, and I think you probably understand this too, I don't have to tell my members a lot about this. They, in fact, tell me what this is going to do to them and what this will do to their business. And I'm really happy, too, that you brought up inflation. Um, small businesses were hurt. And I, I don't represent restaurants, but, you know, look at the restaurant and, restaurant and hospitality industry that are just now kind of starting to recover from the pandemic. And obviously, everybody, everybody knows and they can feel inflation. And imagine that you see yourself, you know, you're talking about getting a $1.50 wage increase come January, but you're not going to feel it. Because businesses are going to have to increase the price of product to pay everybody this increased wage, right? It's a, this is it's a vicious cycle. And in fact, 
um, again, the, the stores that I'm hearing from, the members that I hear from, they're telling us, again, we're paying people. You know, we're, we're, we get them in, we train them. And once I train them and once I, I show them what to do, I don't want to lose them. <laughs> and I want to pay them to stick around. And, and I think people see that and they feel that. But, um, again, I, you know, these initiatives too, I think that people that sign them, their hearts are in the right place. But we know that many of them are funded by outside groups. Many of them are funded by unions and um, even outside groups from outside the state. Outside right? the state, exactly. Um, so I think Mark's probably over there, kind of chuckling to himself because she's hit on about seven different talking points that he's heard me hammer home. Well, uh, I, I do, do want to ask one though that we've we've touched on, but I don't think we've really gotten deep into it. And that's some of the unintended consequences of this type of thing, because even small businesses can be forced into more automation, uh, and that actually is going to reduce the workforce uh, people, the the numbers that they need, either FTEs or part-time, because they're going to be forced into these types of things. That domino effect of unintended consequences, uh, they're just going to have to do it. Yes, that is actually a great point, too. And that's something that we talk to our members about. And what's really sad and ironic about these efforts is that you end up putting out of work young people, people who are reentering the workforce, right? So maybe folks that are transitioning out of prison that need to learn some skill and then they'll grow their income from there. Um, And those that are disabled, those are people that might not necessarily be, you know, right at minimum wage forever, but they're coming in, they're learning, their their employers are training them. Um, they're, you know, working with them and trying to give them, um, a, a, you know, a great, good spot to learn a trade or learn um, a service, something um, that gives these folks opportunity to, to move up and to, you know, be gainfully employed. And unfortunately, these, that unintended con- consequence you're talking about, in addition to just being bad for small businesses it's bad for people that need those starting jobs yeah it's a case if you're if you're working a 20-hour part-time job you uh, think you're you know really making it well with a dollar and a half an hour increase or more but your hours are cut to 10 hours a week uh, as a result uh, you gotta you gotta look at the end result here and all the products and services you're buying are going to go up well and that's one of the things you know we've talked about on here ansley is so we're, we're seeing Taxes are increasing, property taxes, something you and I have talked about in our political worlds for years. Um, We're seeing utility costs increase, the cost of getting goods to the stores, whether it's grocery, retail, what have you. Like, all of these costs are rising. And I think last I saw, groceries are up about 30% over the last two years. Maybe I'm a little off on that. It might be higher. All these costs keep increasing, which means the cost that I pay at the store increases which now we add on the wages increase. And, you know, Mark talked about some of these folks with these jobs, and it's as we create these wages, another one of the unintended consequences becomes, what do I do with the person that's making $12 an hour today? You know, right? So now does that mean that $12 a day I need to get them up to 18 in the next four years, and then they're going to get a, a continual increase? And it just, it's just it's really scary for business. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you are somebody and and employers know this and recognize this too, if you have an employee making 16 or $17 an hour, who's been there for a couple of years, who knows what they're doing and you have to hire someone on at 15, certainly you are going to pay someone else, you know, that other person, or they're going to expect and naturally so more because, you know, 
they're obviously valuable there. And I think, um, yeah, it's it the, the, the fire, you know, I think people sort of hear a lot when the government is just kind of throwing money at the economy and keeps dumping money into the economy. When we're seeing double digit inflation, everybody says, stop adding fuel to the fire, stop adding fuel to the fire. But they might not connect the dot that this, too, is adding fuel to the fire. Correct. And, and I think, um, you know, Mark's idea about automation, we see that more and more. Here in Lincoln, um, I don't know that you can go to many grocery stores that don't have self-checkout or the big national retailers and those kind of things with all the self-checkout lanes. It's just it's becoming fascinating to me to see that because, you know, what do we do with that 16-year-old kid that, we you know, as a parent, you know, we our kids went and got jobs when they were 16, 17 years old, and they worked part-time jobs, but they learned being on time and they learned following the rules and they learned process and they learned, you know, all those kinds of things. It just scares me how we'll be preparing our workforce less and less with things like this. Yeah. And then they come out of college and if you've never worked, you don't know. The other thing is you don't know how to interact with people, right? Customer service is a big part of getting kids into the workforce. You and can't just text the customers. <laughs> right. Right. Thank you. IDK. Yeah. Exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> IDK where that's at. Yeah. No, I think, and I think that's too, something that Mark mentioned, something that you mentioned, but is just these jobs are the quickest to be replaced by automation. And that's really disappointing. And it just, this, um, this notion, I think the other thing, um, that's really important to note is that the folks we're talking about, you know, lower income households, there are lots and lots of programs that exist that directly help folks who are struggling, especially those with families, especially those with kids. And, you know, as businesses, we obviously need to to talk about those things and be supportive of some of those things. Um, they're really good programs, and I could name a lot of them, um, that don't hurt businesses that help families you know there there are lots of programs and policies that exist that would be helpful especially in helping them you know wade through times of you know inflationary times like this um that exist already and they're well funded right mm -hmm. um we don't need to we don't necessarily need this hammer but i think we also have to go back to and we've talked about this on a previous edition of lincoln business beat the, the minimum wage was never designed to be a living wage. It's a starting wage for especially people new to the business. It was never designed or never intended to be a living wage. Yeah, and I'm not saying this to make anyone angry. Um, I'm saying this because it's true that more than half of low-income, what we can, what would consider a poor or low-income households in the United States, don't have someone working. So increasing the minimum wage isn't going to do anything for those households, right? Um, and something, you know, we need to do something for those folks and we need to like get these people into jobs. But you're right. And, and some of the programs that we have that I'm talking about were never designed to pay for everyone's grocery bills or pay for everyone's rent. They were designed to be supplementary to help them, you know, make up the difference, what they were getting paid um, to what things cost. Like they were designed to be supplementary. So to your point, um, yeah, we need to start looking at some of these things the way they were originally intended. And and it's time to get educated on it. If you're not fully uh, involved, there's some opportunities here to, to get information and, and hear from both sides. Uh, it's manda mandated by a state statute, and those meetings, uh, one's already been held, but... Yeah, so um, earlier this week, there was a, there's one in each congressional district, 
and the Secretary of State State's office holds a, I'll call it town hall or, or a hearing, so to speak, where they invite proponents and opponents to speak. And, you know, I think they get a 10-minute opening and a five-minute closing, but then they have it open to the public where everybody in the public gets three minutes to come and talk. And so the one earlier this week happened out in North Platte uh, in the 3rd Congressional District on Tuesday, October 11th. There's one up in Omaha from 1.30 to 4.30 p.m. at uh, the Alumni Center at UNO. And then there's one on October 18th here in Lincoln down at the Capitol from 1.30 to 4.30. And this is one of those things, Ansley, I'm passionate about this, and you've known me a long time. Elections have consequences. It's important for people to show up and engage with our government, like, I can't stress enough for people to show up. Like, I went to a budget hearing for the Lincoln Public Schools, who has a half a billion dollar budget, and I was the only testifier. So talk about the importance to people, especially our business owners out there, to show up and and make their voices be heard. Yeah, to your point, they hear from us a lot. And it's important for people to show up to say, what you're hearing from people like Ansley and Bud is true. Um, we're telling them these things. We own the businesses. We're driving the economy. We're paying the taxes. Um, we're hiring the people. And 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 frankly, even you know workers. If you have goals of being an entrepreneur, if you have goals of taking over that store, if you have some of those you know um, inclinations, having a competitive and you know. A business-friendly state and business-friendly conditions are really important to you. Absolutely. I uh, I often tell our members it's it means so much more than when you show up. Because when, when you show up or I show up, it's like, okay. You know, I think sometimes during the legislature, they just kind of glaze over because they're like, well, Ansley's here again. Uh, or Bud's here again. I know three of the five talking points that they're going to bring up. But when a business owner shows up and talks about their business and how it affects them, I think that has a tremendous impact on our legislators. So um, now I'll jump right back off my soapbox because I love to jump on that one. Real quick, Ansley, so what do we do if this passes? Like, what do we do and how can we address that? So I think we start by talking to the legislature about um, some legislation that you would see like in a state like Minnesota, where they have a youth and a training wage. Um, So softening the impact in that regard by, you know, not not forever. You can't pay somebody a training wage forever. But in Minnesota, you can pay somebody 19 years and younger a training wage for 90 days um, to get them up, you know, get them up to speed and uh, youth wage, obviously, for those 14, 15, 16, 17 year olds that don't necessarily need to be providers for their household, um, but need some experience. That that makes a lot of sense. I think long-term, we need to talk to the legislature about capping or, I mean, eliminating, ideally, but really, um, you know, if it passes, addressing that CPI portion, because if you are seeing in the news right now, any state or any locality that has their minimum wage tied, this, tied to the CPI that hasn't done, that didn't have a cap in place, um, they're I don't think anyone knows what they're going to do. I mean, even cities at public officials, you know, are saying even with best intentions. And I always say, you know, we know what road has been laid with best intentions here. Right. But mm-hmm. I think the folks that even supported these are looking at these numbers and don't know exactly what they're going to do and how they're going to pay it, because it's just not reasonable when you have eight and a half percent, you know, year over year growth to expect people to pay that. 
Yeah, it's it's a, a difficult road. So, Ansley, thank you so much for coming in today. I really appreciate it, um, and I appreciate working with you and your organization as we try to educate uh, business owners, try to spread the word around the state. Um, we have uh, Katie Bullmeyer from our offices was in uh, North Platte earlier this week uh, on this uh, town hall. I guess I can't call it a debate, but the discussion on the minimum wage. We're going to continue to share this with our members. And, you know, I just, I'll reiterate, this is bad for business, period, end of story, next paragraph, next book, whatever you want to call it. It's important for people who listen to this podcast, number one, to tell your friends, tell your family, tell everybody you know to vote, and tell them that this minimum wage is a bad thing for local business. It's going to hurt local business. It's going to hurt opportunities for their kids, and we need to really shut this down. And if this passes, we need to show up at the legislature in buses to make sure that we get this law changed, to make it better for small business, because small business is the heartbeat of Nebraska and the heartbeat of America. So uh, there's my other soapbox. Ansley got to watch me jump on that soapbox about three <laughs> times today, Mark. You, uh, you know, you're going to be up for the high jump here one of these first days. I don't know about that. I'll have to lose more weight before I can do that. You're doing well on that. <laughs> By the way, just as a side note, uh, those dates of those hearings – uh, later on those days is, are the uh, informational sessions, the hearings on voter ID. So if you happen to be attending, you know, just block out if you want to uh, take them both in. The voter ID initiative is also those same You can days. go from one thirty p.m. to 9 p.m. and be there for both of them. So That's you can right. just make a day of it, pack a lunch, a picnic or something. And if you can't make that, the local uh, election commissioner offices do have from the Secretary of State the informational brochures that have been published on these so that you can find out more information. Those are now available. Absolutely. It's a it's a good way to engage, and it's important to get out there and vote and, and be informed on the issues. Till we cross paths again, a reminder, this has been the Lincoln Business Beat from the Lincoln Independent Business Association and KLIN Radio. Reviewing and updating business owners and community members about what's happening in the business community in and around Lincoln. Along with LEBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vail. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. Learn more at GoCurrency.com.